0: hello i'm harry
1: hello i'm rory and you're listening to games on film
0: on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies, and it's Rory and me again, a, a veritable band of brothers. Can um, <laughs> you have like, it's, yes, you can have a band of two people, you can have a band of one person, it's a one man band. I've heard of those things, but we're not talking about that. What are we talking about today, Rory?
1: We are marking the release of Company of Heroes 3 by talking about the 2013 feature film, Adaptation? Question mark. Company of Heroes. They've now made
0: more Company of Heroes games than World Wars. That's that's an achievement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So Company of Heroes is a real-time strategy game developed by Relic Entertainment, originally published by THQ and now by Sega. And the first game was released in 2006 with a sequel. In 2013, the same year as this film came out, and it is a World War II-based game with the first game focused on the Battle of Normandy and Liberation of France, second game uh, focused on the Eastern Front, and the third new game focused on the Italian and North African Front of the Second World War. Learning a
0: lot about war today.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. So we're learning a lot about about World War Two. I mean, we've never actually done, to my knowledge, a video game movie set during this period. There's so many video games based on World War Two—a complete glut of them, especially in the 2000s, like um, or like maybe late 90s. Basically, it's all spinning off from Saving Private Ryan, isn't it? To which I think there are many, many a game. Which starts at Normandy on the d day landings, and mm. I have a distinct memory of getting into electronics boutique or whatever video game store it was, and there was like maybe a ten year old storming the beaches of Normandy, and I had a little like a little moment thinking, "Is this okay? I'm very happy that Goldeneye is now out, and I'm mowing down soldiers left, right, and center, but there just seemed to be something strange <laughs> about this real life piece of entertainment.
1: It's always tricky when it comes to, say, war films and the way it's pitched in terms of how much it glorifies it. And I think you have to, you know, as much as I enjoyed, say Top Gun Maverick, uh, one also has to take (laughs) on board that it was like Lockheed Martin, which was, you know, involved with, with that. And obviously all this stuff comes from a... I think the original Top Gun when it released saw an increase in uh, people uh, like, wanting to I, join the air force and stuff. I
0: finished Top Gun Maverick and I still didn't know who the enemy was
1: yes. at all.
0: Like it was just this nebulous North Korea, maybe question mark. And but like there's a bit. I think they say they the enemy has advanced level five planes, and I would Ooh. like I didn't know what a level five plane
1: was. They they come from a video game. They've broken out into the real world. I
0: just, yeah. So, no, but yeah, there's a different, the fact is this property is called Company of Heroes. And depending on your point of view, that is tricky.
1: <laughs> well, I think everything needs to be of there's... something of something. So you have Call of Duty, Medal of Honor, Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Company of Heroes.
0: Plumber of Mushrooms. Hedgehog of Rings. uh,
1: (laughs) I mean, probably the main World War II inspired video game I spent the most amount of time with was probably Conqueror's Bad Fur Day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or Wolfenstein. Here's the thing, halfway through this film was like, I'm watching a Wolfenstein movie here. And yeah, again, maybe it's just that we're being we're we're, we're cherry picking because I've had so much fun playing Wolfenstein. But uh I mean the original, even though I know it was was Wolfenstein games now, but I feel like those games occupy this sort of comic book pulp over the top reality, and you could totally argue that's even more disrespectful, but I don't know, I don't
1: know it's just it's a tricky thing to play with, and I think because of as we currently exist with a very uh with with the conflict the war between Ukraine and Russia at the moment. Obviously we need to be sensitive to these issues and depictions of conflicts. Sometimes the best thing is to be disrespectful in a way. <laughs> I mean it's 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 hard because I obviously, you know, we're recording just after the BAFTAs and All Quiet on the Western Front won a bunch of BAFTA awards and best film and you know partially maybe to do with recognizing the 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 war that's going on at the moment. But then at the same time, there was that trailer that's just dropped for Sisu um, from the maker of Rare (laughs) Exports.
0: Unfortunately, I watched the Sisu trailer right before this film.
1: (laughs) And that's obviously lots of Nazi killing, um, but in very brutal over the top ways. And yeah, something like Inglorious Bastards. It's a weird film to say you really enjoy, but it's it's designed for that yeah, purpose. I mean,
0: just want to make say when we're, we're not feeling awkward about Nazi killing. I think <laughs> oh, oh I don't know I don't want to get in a hole. So, oh my god! I I'm, I'm digging myself in a hole now. I'm just saying war is atrocious. All death is is sad. Um, and yes. the fact that wars exist is something to be ashamed of more than anything else.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. Games on Film, its stance is Wars are bad, okay
1: Wars are bad, okay. You can quote us on that. Um but what you were saying about uh I think it, it was some it was probably Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers um in particular which definitely created the modern war game in, in that respect and using those, you know, but there, there'd been other game war games in the past, but using, like, original conflict, the original conflicts and the campaigns and doing it in respectful and historical detail. And I believe, I think, Medal of Honor, Steven Spielberg was involved in the mm-hmm. original game, I think maybe kind of creating or sh- at least shepherding the story. He is a, is a known gamer himself. So I think the nature of how these games and scenarios are depicted, even if you are running around shooting a bunch of, you know, Nazis and all this kind of stuff and maybe slightly heightened fashion, they are then sort of showing stock footage of, uh, of conflict. And, you know, that kind of last post style trumpet music and flags <laughs> fluttering in slow motion and all this kind of stuff, you know, it's like, we, we understand that, you're playing this for fun, but we need to do it with like the gravitas that's attached to it, which, in a way, is is almost as you know, is just about as cynical as doing something incredibly like exploitative, like you know, Iron Sky or Kung Fury or whatever. All right, man, this is it. Remember to keep moving. We're gonna make it. Evil Company, get ready. Three seconds. Two. One.
0: so I'm not a player of this game, so I did watch like a the first level of the the first game and some of the second i to just get a sense of what the game was. And yes, lo and behold, it was the storming of Normandy Beach, and it's, it was just really tricky for me to not roll my eyes at this whole thing because it's such a cliche, and it was it just looked exactly like a worse version of Saving Private Ryan, and um, and like to my surprise, I thought this was a first person, first person shooter game, like Medal of Honor, but no, it's real time strategy. Which is also not a particular genre I like. I remember in our arcane review, um, I loved that show, but looking at the game, I was like, I just I just can't deal with this. I don't like it. And it seems weird to me how this is like a game called Company of Heroes, where you're controlling a band of soldiers, but you also have like a view you're like gods watching down everything. And it seems Ever so slightly strange, but I mean, I say all this. This is my kind of prejudice against this sort of game. Um, I can see if you're a fan of the game, how exciting it would be because when you do some key moments, like blowing up a gun turret, again, just like in Saving Private Ryan, there's a cutscene of that. So rather than just it exclusively being from from up above, from the view of God, as it were. You, you the camera will snap down and do exciting moments so i can i can certainly see if that's your sort of thing how exciting it would be but just the like i said at in 2006 it might have seemed more revolutionary than it is now where i was just like world war 2 again d day again <laughs> it just it just seems like what maybe it's because i was watching on youtube and not playing it but i just didn't see why you know this is like Wish version of Saving Private Ryan, like what, saving Private Ryan back home. Which, um, if he was home, he wouldn't have needed saving. So
1: <laughs> that would have been the big twist at the end. I was here all along. <laughs> he was like, I was hiding in the basement. I was a conscientious objector.
0: <laughs> that would have been an amazing, dispiriting twist. Like, yeah, we If M. Night Shyamalan directed Saving Private <laughs> Ryan, he would Ryan. Matt Damon would have been just in the living room when the guy arrives with the letter about his brothers.
1: Yeah, I mean the big twist of that film is like he he Private Ryan spoilers uh, gets saved and then he goes to the beach where you grow old, or at least the graveyard where you grow old.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you've misunderstood the ending of that film. He doesn't actually he age. <laughs> That's called time lapse.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh dear
0: so have you have you had any experience with the company of heroes games or
1: no not really i mean all i know is that they are for what for what they are as 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 real time strategy games they are well regarded and well received um i've believed the only uh, i think and the new game as well has been uh well reviewed um The only issue I believe was when I was looking at the Wikipedia page for Company of Heroes 2, apparently there was some strong negative feedback in Russia due to its portrayal of the Red Army as being brutal, um, unforgiving um, Mm. uh, people, um, which I believe the distributor of the game then stopped selling the game in Russia due to the negative uh, backlash against it.
0: Wow. There's a there's a Russian in this, uh, yes. Uh, like you know, <laughs> this was made. This was made back in 2013 when everything was fine. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, everything was. Um, punchy
0: speaking of sensitivity, I think right at the front, we should also say that at a time of recording, we are aware that one of the stars of the film, uh, Tom Sizemore, who I think was also in Saving Private Ryan, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's currently in critical care. In hospital, having had a brain aneurysm, so right this minute, um, we don't know how he's doing. So we're doing this episode. We're still going ahead of doing the episode uh, in in terms of the game because of the games being releasing. Um, I think you and I just to share our thoughts briefly. You know, we thought he gave as good as a performance he could give in this film. We we've, we've got no criticism against him. In this film, and but that's not to say if he gave a terrible performance, would (laughs) wish anything ill of him,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, he's obviously been in, in quite a lot of uh very good movies and delivered very good performances in them. He's also had a very troubled life beyond that, but yes, uh, we just want to flag that up at the start in terms of where this recording sort of sits with things and in terms of our review of Company of Heroes, because we are very critical (laughs) reviewing. um, Do we review? What do we do even on this podcast?
0: Yeah, do we review? Well, again, I say at the start, we celebrate video game movies. Yes. And it's up to you to decide if they are worth celebrating. Yes, Um, or if we're doing
1: enough to celebrate.
0: Shall we actually talk uh, dive into the film itself?
1: So Company of Heroes was... The film, registered trademark, was released in 2013, as I said, um, the same year that the sequel to the first Game Company, Heroes 2, was released. Um, it was directed by Don Michael Poole, who is probably, I say best known, but if you look at his CV, it includes Lake Placid, The Final Chapter, Kindergarten Cop 2, Death Race Beyond Anarchy... The Scorpion King, Book of Souls, and three Tremors sequels. So, oh god. Wait, we're talking well, someone who, <laughs> like, definitely capitalized on the sequel DVD boom of the twenty um, tens. Maybe.
0: <laughs> May I ask which Tremors sequel? Because Tremors two ain't half bad.
1: I think he directed from Tremors five onwards. Oh god!
0: <laughs> 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 oh dear i didn't know they made that many um i remember i think i've mentioned this in the podcast before but i have seen one of the scorpion king sequels in which they fight a giant invisible scorpion at the end <laughs> so to save on budget that was completely mental and i will say it wasn't intentionally going to be invisible apparently like what they did is like it's going to be invisible I'll save on the on the budget
1: Very smart filmmaking. I think in in terms of screenplay, it was written by David Reed, who wrote Lake Placid 3 and Lake Placid, the final chapter, but has since gone on to do episodes of The Boys and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Okay. So on the up, I suppose. Um, But the story was done by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, who are responsible not only for writing trances arena and the rocketeer as well as creating the story for De Five bloods the spike lee movie which i very much liked they also did some video game stories including goldeneye rogue agent 007 agent under fire night fire everything or nothing so a few of the james bond titles we mentioned on our bond episode no as well as
0: with me with those james
1: bond games <laughs> not all of those are, are good <laughs> some of them. but the stories the stories
0: ah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. They also did the story for Medal of Honor Rising Sun, um, and one of them, Paul DeMeo, also did the story for Company of Heroes 2. So okay. we have a little bit of, um, you know, connective tissue between the world of games and movies, which we always like to see.
0: Speaking of connective tissue, uh, just jumping into the cast briefly, when, when Neil McDonough shows up, uh, I'm like, where do I know him from? I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, for... Like he plays World War two soldier in the first Avenger, Captain America. But actually, just that day I'd watched Star Trek First Contacts and he plays mm-hmm. basically a red shirt, Lieutenant Hawk. But I he in that film, he doesn't have like his blonde hair, and he looks so much younger. And it just blew my mind how he's like I just saw two Neil McDonough films in one day. Yeah. <laughs> but um he played his character is a character called Lieutenant Conti, who's like one of, I think, the few... He's Lieutenant Conti, or Sergeant Conti, I think, is in the game.
1: Yes, so in the first that, game.
0: So that was like the only, I feel, apart from the whole World War II thing, it's one of the few connective bits.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Hitler's a character in, <laughs> in both, maybe. Named, not necessarily... I was going to say, have we, is, does
0: any video game let you play as Hitler?
1: Is that uh There's, there's definitely at least one old, I think, Sega real-time strategy game from maybe the 90s, which had like Hitler on the video game box,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as well as like Winston Churchill and Stalin, or like floating heads. And so the idea—I don't think you played as Hitler, but like you were controlling the German armies or or that sort of thing. I- I
0: want to play as Hitler? I'll say this: I, I the further we get into this podcast. The more I'm realizing, we're entering like a literal and and mor- moral minefield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just envisaging this sort of dictator em up now, where you can control like Hitler or Stalin, uh, and just you know, just mortal combat reskins with uh, your favorite mass murderer.
1: I'm sure that already exists and is found somewhere on the dark web. Yeah,
0: like that's, like that's talking about talking about early 2000s. It's not early 2000s, it's 2013. It just made me think of some new grounds, all those Flash games, which are oh so funny mm. because they're oh so shocking. Anyway, I ruined yeah. your flow. You mean, talking... Material
1: for Wreck-It Ralph 3, anyway. <laughs> um, well, all I'd say is, of course, Neil McDonough, a friend of the podcast, for being mm. in Sonnet the Hedgehog, um, Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, and we will eventually get round to Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li, where he plays M Bison. And of course, he was also in Band of Brothers. So, you know, having Tom Sizemore from Saving Private Ryan, Neil McDonough in Band of Brothers, and I think Richard Samuel, who plays the head evil Nazi Beimler. He was also in Inglorious Bastards.
0: Yeah, I recognised him.
1: I think he's also in. He was in the TV show The Strain. He appears in OSS 117 and Casino Royale. James Bond Harry.
0: Yes, I, so I definitely have recognised him. Was he was he dressed as a Nazi in that one, in Casino
1: Royale? I imagine he's dressed as a Nazi in a lot of stuff. <laughs> because, yeah. you know...
0: Is it wrong to say someone has, like, a Nazi face?
1: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Resting Nazi face. <laughs> um, so anyway, those are a few key uh talents in the film which um and we'll get into some of the rest of the cast as we as we go on into the movie proper but shall we do a a, a little back of the box yeah i've
0: actually got a dvd in front of me Ooh, because this was released on dvd i don't think it got a theatrical release did it not that i'm aware of hey but... let's go to the cinema on my birthday to watch company of heroes uh Excellent use of barbed wire framing the individual pictures. (laughs) Uh, It says the untold story that changed history. We've got thoughts about that, but inspired by true events. Do we have anything to support that?
1: Yeah, I think up top, we should also say spoilers. Please don't ask us if any of this actually happened <laughs> please don't expect us to have like fact checked and historically mm-hmm. verified um these yeah, events god. yeah um, we, <laughs> i think the end of the, not to give anything away but the end of the film very neatly ties a bow on this whole did this really happen um yeah <laughs> situation god like it's not god, it's not yeah. he woke up and it was all a dream but we'll get onto it
0: we're gonna end up denying the holocaust by the end of this podcast and i just i oh, really just geez just no i know
1: well clearly that's the way to get more people listening <laughs> yes please Based share on that. the right-wing podcasts out there yes this is
0: now officially a right-wing podcast <laughs> uh okay a company of american soldiers is lost behind enemy lines during the battle of the bulge and makes a horrific discovery a super bomb in development the soldiers soon learn about a secret Allied mission to retrieve a defecting German scientist in charge of a secret weapons program. Faced with impossible odds, the company and an escaping POW go on a daring raid into the heart of Nazi Germany in pursuit of the scientist. And then, as it says, the stars starring Tom Sizemore, Chad Michael Collins, Neil McDonough, Vinnie Jones, and Jürgen Prechnau. And they say he's from Dazboot, but they don't say he's from House of the Dead
1: Nope, he was in House of the Dead and in Hitman Agent 47 so yep. another Found friend in. of the podcast. Friend
0: of the podcast We should get one as, of these guys on.
1: As we like uh, to call anyone who's been in another video game Oh jeez,
0: the special features include a, <laughs> include a a feature called Fabricating World War 2. We're back to denying that it happened again <laughs> Oh dear <laughs> This never happens. (laughs) Oh, man. December,
1: 1944. The Western Front was finally ours. Most of us thought the god-awful war was over. But Hitler wasn't done yet. He launched a ground offensive known as the Battle of the Bulge trapping our company behind enemy lines. And he promised his people a super weapon was coming. As history will show, for once, he was not lying. What the hell was that? We could have headed west, to safety, but instead headed east, into Germany. What happened here? This was a test site for a new weapon. This bomb is scheduled for a test drop today. We need to disable it. Now you make a decision right now, and you stick to it. Are the right men for this job? We're the only men that are here. And that'll have to do. And some of us, the lucky ones, would live to tell our story. Take cover! I'm not leaving you!
0: There's no room for weakness. He's gone. He's not gone! Grab an arm.
1: Help! are the only men I can trust to get the job done. Make sure they do the right thing.
0: Okay. Well, um what did you think of Company of Heroes, notwithstanding whether or not it happened?
1: Um I don't watch many war movies. It's not my kind of like go-to, and I feel like when it comes to World War 2, especially you get a lot of World War 2 fanatics and, you know, people who just watch endless documentaries about battle of britain and hitler and read endless books about endless battles and that's just not my thing and i'm not going to say anyone who it is their thing has a problem but it's maybe you know you should do a little bit something else with your life sometimes like do a video game movie podcast but i just sort of feel like it's a little bit sometimes an unhealthy obsession to be like so into it
0: there's so many hitler documentaries on tv yeah. like his diaries his secret diaries his secret love diaries all sorts of he kept just, a lot of diaries <laughs> it's just yeah i think um you know i think your good lady wife who also happens to hail from germany quite rightly pointed out when i asked her what the uk what she thought about the uk she was like you guys are just obsessed with World war 2 and it's true it's like the same thing as how the uk won like the world cup in 1966 well the the blokes that i know are the lionesses knocked it out of the park last time um but i think the same i feel like there's a sense with america as well that world war 2 was like the last war where the ends justified the means the common view is that uh so
1: it's it's the last time where you could have heroes a company of perhaps and villains very clearly like marked and drawn without that being an issue and you know as we mentioned on the last podcast indiana jones he's back baby punching nazis all over again um so i i can see why it is that thing it's much you know just like the wild west or something world wars and movies thereof have their have their fan base i don't watch too many of them so I can't judge this against, you know, the classics or the not-so-classics. And my opinion of this film was it was fine. <laughs> it was it was it was alright. I can I think for the World War II aficionado, there's probably a lot very wrong with it. Like that didn't happen, they're using the wrong firearms for this period of history that explosion looks like a GIF has just been stuck on the <laughs> stuck on the screen. Um, I'm sure there's a lot you can kind of, like, take issue with. And I think it does, despite the fact that the game is a real-time strategy game, it does feel very much like a first-person shooter or squad-based shooter-style adaptation, just because there's so much, like gunfire I know it's a war of course there's gunfire but there's so many scenes where it's just where did all the ammunition come from there's just people like shooting from the hip the whole time blam 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 yeah I was looking at the trivia
0: section they don't reload their weapons once in this film
1: (laughs) yeah I mean only time where I think that is an issue is when it's played up as an issue it's not something that happens naturally it's just like oh can't get the bullet in the in the rifle that kind of thing I, I, th- I think the problem is that there's almost like too much action because it's just like shoot out in the woods, shoot out in the woods, shoot out in a train yard, shoot out in a train yard, shoot out in a warehouse, shoot out in a warehouse. So it gets a bit sort of like samey. But I thought it was, I thought it was all right. I do take issue with certain bits, and we'll get stuck into it. Um, it's by no means anyone's idea of a, a classic of of the genre. I don't think it's going to change anyone's lives.
0: Well, as you say, you've you've not watched many, so this could be the best one.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, is that I think, like, there's the spectre of Band of Brothers, the shadow of Band of Brothers, which, you know, I have seen and is amazing. I think about it, you know, whenever there is sort of World War II, and, like, this is how you do that right, in a way. And, you know, the the shadow of that looms large over everything that's come since. And this doesn't obviously approach it, but it can't help but evoke it because of, you know, the setting and also, you know, maybe a cast member. So it's 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 there. And this obviously doesn't challenge that in any respect. But as far as making a film about World War II while still being like a sort of like cheesy late night movie kind of thing without feeling too disrespectful I wouldn't say this like a perfect balance or tone but I thought it was okay I think it did I think it did what it set out to do and I wasn't really bored by it and I sort of just like enjoyed the the propulsion of the story it wasn't just like here's a battle and here's all the conflicts and how we think it's like we've got to go here we've got to do this we've got to A to B very much like mission objectives changing with each chapter of the game slash story in the great swathe of video game movies, which I would give two out of five to this is one of them, (laughs) but it's a high two. (laughs) I I think when we're doing video game movies, like the vast majority are going to be a C plus. It's just whether they can make it to that B minus. That So yeah.
0: In terms of me and war movies, I think I'm on a similar page for you. For me, it's less of the obsession with World War II, but I think you, you name-checked Westerns. I feel I avoid a lot of war movies because they are about that machismo, and it's strange because I love like Arnie movies. I love Conan and like action movies, like the <laughs> muscly men oiled uh, and shooting guns. I like that, but I feel there's just like a degree of like unknowing camp to them or, or they're not to be taken seriously. And I think the reason why I don't really gel with a lot of Westerns and a lot of war movies, is because we're meant to be taking this shit really seriously. But then you get dialogue in this film where people say things like, um, <clears throat> it's a suicide mission. Don't worry, ransom. I'll mark your grave. Yeah. Well, I'll piss on yours if you got a deal. Yeah, Sticks and Stones. It's like, what does that mean? (laughs) You, You didn't say a bad name, Sticks. What? Okay, whatever. But like, a lot of that dialogue is like extremely earnest. And this film is like, as you say, endless gun battles interspersed with the sort of I have got two girls waiting for me back home kind of dialogue. So, you know, I always say when I sort of maybe criticize an entire genre hello i'm a james bond fan i love the series which is like 25 near identical movies there's if you've got a formula that you groove to that's absolutely fine um so i will say i got about an hour and a bit into this and i did get a bit bored so i decided to watch pa- decided to play power wash simulator for a while and when your film is so dull that it makes you want to watch power once it makes you want to play power wash simulator, when you've got a problem. However, the next day I watched the rest of this film, like the last 45 minutes, half an hour. And I feel things really picked up in the third act. Um, I don't know if it's because I'd just given myself a break and the endless gun battles seemed like it was just, you know, more tolerable or that with a goal in mind, the film sort of picks up. I mean, for all those like earlier criticisms I had, I enjoyed the actual uh, plot uh, as the box back of the box said, you know, it doesn't require much imagination to discover that the super bomb we're talking about is really the atomic bomb. And so I like this. What if you know, it's, it's trying to stop the Nazis developing a nuclear bomb. I think that's a great hook. There's also a surprising amount of brutality in some of these kills And perhaps we'll get into this more detail later. But as you said, I thought this was based on a first-person game. It baffled me when I discovered this was based on a real-time strategy game where things are distinctly not up close and personal. So um, I feel that a combination of the plot, some good fighting and gunfire, and some interesting kills made this worth a watch. But perhaps not all at once.
1: Yeah, I think it helps having recognizable actors doing the stuff because there's a, like a familiarity, or <laughs> maybe you, maybe even a good performance from a name actor. You know, maybe there's a reason why people you recognise are good at at get roles is because they're good at acting. Maybe I don't
0: know. I was, I was going through the cast list with my friend next to me. I was like, "Oh, Vinnie Jones is in this," and she was like. Who goes ooh Vinnie Jones with a
1: class <laughs> list? I only watched a hundred video game movies and haven't yeah. had Vinnie Jones in one yet.
0: Playing the world's largest RAF pilot. I never thought <laughs> I never given any consideration to how big a Spitfire pilot would need to be. But he was the guy who was looming over everyone else. I'm like, could you really fit in a plane? I know like Tom Hardy was in Dunkirk, and he, I feel like he's also hefty but stocky but shorter. I was also thinking, as you say, there's all these actors um, who have also been in other World War Two movies, and I just thought, imagine if Ray Fiennes played a Nazi in this film, like he's in he's in Schindler's List, all time one of the best performances ever, and then he's also in is also in Company of Heroes, just the tactical to be. He's not. But it tickled me.
1: I guess sort of the main actor, besides all the named talent that we've we've mentioned already in the film, who plays the lead question mark, is Chad Michael Collins. Yeah.
0: He's not on the box, but he's the main character.
1: Who coincidentally he's also he also plays one of the protagonists in Call of Duty Modern Warfare?
0: Um so that's the video game
1: link. Yeah. Um he's probably I say best known as appearing in various sniper sequels as the son of Tom Berenger who was in the original sniper movie, and they've made, I don't know, like seven, eight, nine, ten sniper movies, which is a DTV franchise I have never heard of, but coincidentally, the director of this film directed a bunch of them, hence his appearance in this film.
0: I thought the reason he was in multiple sniper movies is because the sniper keeps missing him, and so there's 90 minutes (laughs) when it ends with,
1: you can't catch me! See you next film! Shall we just talk about, shall we get into spoilers? Let's get into spoilers,
0: to find out who won the war!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Chad Michael Collins plays the character of Nathan Burroughs, and he is maybe like the weakest lead character in a film we might have covered. Actually, you know, there's probably a few examples. It's
0: really hard to remember a weak character because by definition.
1: Yes. Um so coincidentally he plays a sniper in in this film. So he's been typecast <laughs> in his in his action movies. But um he is what, I guess, he's like the, what's the male equivalent of a Mary Sue? Um I'm going to say a Chad. A,
0: yeah. A, a Chad but he's,
1: Sue. <laughs> but he's our, he's our lead, and he's very much like, you know, I'm sure all kinds of people fought in World War II, but he is too much of like a clean-cut pretty boy to look like he's seen any kind of,
0: Oh come conflict. on! He's got a bit of stubble at the end,
1: <laughs> but he's got this other—he's got this other friend, like called Shambliss, I think his name is, um, who basically dies pretty quickly into the film. And I was like, why can't we follow this guy? He looks like he's got a bit of
0: What's grit. He's guy? got a
1: bit of character. <laughs> well, you know, before he was okay. like yeah, shot. He's been on the uh, battlefield or whatever for like three weeks. He's an incredible sniper. He's got this natural, innate talent. He rises up the ranks as the people around him die, but, like, his commanding officer, like, basically says, now you're in charge, you do the mission. And the Tom Sizemore character, Lieutenant Ransom, like, says to him at one point, you got a lucky horseshoe stuck up your ass, kid. And that's, like, just the explanation for what is essentially just this, like... He's basically a lucky fucker, like, the whole time. He just... You know it's like you go over there and like do you think you can uh operate a rocket launcher? It's just like, yeah, I can do that, and then he blows up a tank with a rocket launcher and it's just nothing he gets shot in the leg and needs that patched up at one point, but just everything really like falls into his fucking lap the whole <laughs> time, and I just he's got this he's got a purple heart and it turns out it's from his dad who was also like a great soldier in world war one and that's why well he died but he got purple heart out of it oh yeah Um,
0: that explains the end when he's he's at the end he's like looking at a cross with his own name on and i now realize oh yeah that was his dad not his own grave from the future or something yeah he was dead all along
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know maybe it's like hereditary or something but i just really couldn't care for the fact that he's surrounded by a bit a few more like interesting sort of character act types and just everything despite the fact that he's in world war ii everything seems to kind to just go right for him <laughs> and i just found that like really annoying because he just didn't he just didn't deserve it he was just such a non-entity Sparrows! Sparrows! what you got sir launcher osborn's got it osborn's dead Da geht
0: I mean, I'll completely admit he's a complete like milk toast character, um, a uh, a Chad Michael Collins, if you will. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I didn't I didn't get that he's like the least interesting person. But he is surrounded by this sizable cast of uh, characters, and quite hmm. I was going to say quite interesting. They're certainly there. I've already mentioned. Viddy jones and golly i i told you already <laughs> that i wanted i knew Viddy i knew Viddy jones was going to be in this i didn't know what character he's going to play and i was hoping that he would uh, gift us with a german accent <laughs> like playing a, a, or when there's a russian character appears halfway through and he starts beating the crap out of uh tom sizemore who plays a character called Ransom and I thought for the longest time because of the big russian hair and the big nose I thought that was Vinnie Jones and like oh, Vinnie Jones is doing a russian accent and it you know it wasn't it was just some other guy Vinnie Jones as I said plays like uh, like his his dialogue is primar- primarily talking about fish and chips and beer and <laughs> racial <laughs> and slurs them
1: fucking yanks yeah
0: <laughs> fucking Yanks. though he did have a great line I mean he's actually responsible for some of the good hand-to-hand combat i mentioned towards the end he he gets to a prison he smells the guards and goes stinking nazis <laughs> and then starts beating the crap out of everyone in the room
1: <laughs> again it is this kind of like we're being kind of respectful but at the same time this is like wish fulfillment yes. boy's fantasy because he single-handedly beats up about 10 nazi guards then machine guns another 10 or so who come down the hallway. He's like single-handedly frees like a whole bunch of prisoners and then says at the very end, we'll see you on the flip side, which sounds like a really odd... like <laughs> That doesn't sound yeah, like something that? you'd say. Maybe he coins the that? expression. I don't know. That To me, that just like, that took me out of the... I was thinking this was oh. all in 1944, but that really took me out of the
0: movie. So actually we'd learned that this entire operation has to be hushed up. And so no one would be saying, uh, see you on the flip side for another
1: like 30, 40 years. Um... Yeah, that was considered confidential sealed (laughs) information. And then like released 50 years later and everyone was, oh, that made sense. Yeah, maybe in about uh, 1995, everyone started saying catch you on the flip side. Suddenly it became uh, public knowledge.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's... There's not a lot of talk to talk about this plot-wise. Um, it starts with the company being... Well, there's a scene right at the start where we get introduced to Nate, he's called. I kept having Uncharted flashbacks because that character's also called Nate. <laughs> but um, there is this battle sequence at the start, lots of fire and fury, a lot of it computer-generated. You could definitely tell After Effects, After Effects was a thing in this film before <laughs> all the fake CGI blood. The that opening scene though does does it deservice any of the plot? I think it just shows us that Nate is a good shot, a crack shot, maybe. They say a line, just like ducks at the arcades, there's your video game or game <laughs> reference, I suppose.
1: Yeah, um, he was been playing Duck Hunt on the Nintendo. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um but then the plot itself, it's kick-started where I think our company of heroes, for it is them, um they're not a theater company of heroes though i thought at the there's a bit where they go to the stuttgart opera and i'm like oh is this where the theater company of heroes lives uh, um,
1: yeah i'd like to have seen a scene where like uh vinnie jones tries to get into like a pantomime horse costume or something right.
0: just on the opera note there is an opera singer he's dressed up to the nines but he is obviously miming to the music that you you don't see his chest move or anything. It's so
1: different. I think it at some times like the the sound is moving but the the mouth is not. <laughs> yeah
0: So anyway, um they after this I guess after this big brutal battle at the start of the film, our company of heroes are told they need to deliver Christmas hands to some people. And they quickly abandon the hands after like a big battle and I spent like most of the movie like, where are the hands? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's happened to the hands i must admit i didn't watch the end of the credits so i'm just really hoping there's like a it's christmas morning in uh you know in in france and everyone's like where's my christmas hat <laughs> I mean, on the on the christmas point i mean
1: this is not a Joyeux noel
0: <laughs> i will say i enjoyed the snowy surroundings i, I enjoy this being set in winter i don't think i've seen many war movies set around this period of time, uh, mainly because even though this is obviously a cheap movie, it must be a real ball ache to make a film during the winter. It must have have sucked for the actors.
1: I think think the problem, again, is in terms of evoking the spirit of Band of Brothers, there is like one pivotal episode set in a snowy forest, which, um, again, this does not quite reach...
0: And then this is where the plot gets interesting because we hear we hear a th- sound of thunder and we see like a CGI ripple effect on the clouds. And then we cut to what we learn to be a nuclear testing facility and um and then the heroes. I'm gonna call them the heroes now, they stumble upon it and they're told by a... There was an OSS officer there who I guess was caught in the blast or something, and he starts telling them, you need to go to the station to see our contact, and then I think the contact gets... Does the contact get killed? Anyway, they, they start like a mission to basically... They end up at the end of the film at the nuke, main nuclear for testing facility. I love... There's something... There's all these intertitles as well, all these little captions. Like at one point, it says... Um, like in, in like the big battle I mentioned, which distracts them from the all important hams, Um, there's this title which says the like 12th Pan- SS Panzer Division. Like, why why are you telling us this information? Who cares?
1: <laughs> I'm sure some like World War II fanboy was just like, ah, oh, here comes the 12th SS Panzer I, Division. Yeah, maybe
0: that's a famous one, like the Star Storm like the Star Wars Stormtroopers 501 Division or whatever. Um, they end up at this nuclear testing facility, and there's a big battle there. But like, it's basically lots of gunfights to get there. I think, as I mentioned, there's not much. Yeah.
1: I think they do try and break up the gunfights a little bit by placing them in slightly different settings and scenarios. I think the the Christmas hams encounter is the you know where the tanks come rolling in. That's where you get a moment. Where a Nazi, I think a dead at that point Nazi soldier gets crushed under a tank track.
0: They get shot by Nate and then fall under the tank's treads.
1: Yes. And then his body just like bursts. I know war is hell, but do we really need to see that? Because I think there's like a difference between isn't war brutal and isn't it funny seeing like a soldier like pop like a balloon? It's like yeah well i'll say than i expected but also
0: mm. (laughs) As as i mentioned earlier i feel that's kind of what made me more interested in the film which again i'm i'm a complete tornado of hypocrisy because i'm saying here that i really enjoy like the moments of quite the brutality i mean you mentioned that guy who gets shot at the start like his neck spurts out of lots of blood So I feel that it it sounds weird to say it, but like lifts the material makes it more than just like people falling to the ground. But I guess I think now I just want to talk a bit about why the hell is this called Company of Heroes? Why is this a Company of Heroes movie? I was wondering what business decision. I mean, to, to make a film, you have to pay for a license. So why why is this a company of heroes movie and not just a generic war film? Now we're kind of answering our question here because he wouldn't be covering this film on this podcast if it wasn't a video game movie. And there's, I'm sure there's, there are people out there who, when you, when you're going through the DVD shelf of the director video war movies, which is directly beneath like the killer clown shelf and all the other generic shelves, People will probably uh, uh, arrive at this film because they're Company of Heroes fans, but like a, like with this this brutal violence, which just seems like nothing like the game, with this sort of gunplay, which again seems extremely non uh, Company of Heroes. I just wonder why? Why? Big question mark.
1: I yeah. I wonder whether it's like just financial. Yes, there was probably some money being exchanged to get the name. But I think at the same time, it was probably in that time where Sega was like, yeah, sure, pay us money. You know, we'll give you the name regardless. We did that with House of the Dead. You know, it's (laughs) like there's, there's no real sense of like, you know, hovering over the IPs to make sure they're delivering something which is true to the original experience. You know, they're just happy to get product out there to build the brand.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously this came out at the same time as the uh, second game, so perhaps there was just a degree of, you know, let's try and get *Company of Heroes* where wherever you see it, be it on your DVD shelf or or whatever. Mm. Um, but like I've mentioned earlier, that one of the things I appreciated about this film was the plot. And the plot of the the game, the first game, is nothing to do with finding a bomb. It's um I'm just trying to look at the the uh Wikipedia entry of the plot. I'm scanning for it. It's it's pretty you know, sorry for like comfy of here as fans, but it seems like a pretty rote war movie, like you, you go to Normandy, you go to various bases. I'm just having a look. Yeah. It's just it's a series of capturing bridges and shit.
1: Yeah, but I, I think the nature of video games is quite often as we experience the chance to play mm. the things you've only heard about or the things you've only seen in movies. So yeah, anytime it's just like, oh, D-Day landing again, it's just like, yeah, but this time you're you're experiencing it for yourself scenario. Yeah, so... No, so
0: it doesn't have to be a fantastic plot but at the end of the day this means this this the only connective tissue to the games be it the feeling you get playing them or characters is is really just like this conti character and and maybe just like a lot of you know shooting and stuff
1: company of heroes even if you don't know the games you get a sense of what the film is just by that and by virtue of it having a name that sounds like Band of Brothers or, you know, sounds like Medal of Honor or Call of Duty and things like that. It's a catchy enough name. And uh, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's like when you say that um, documentaries all share the same cinematic universe because they're based (laughs) on reality. You know, World War II, all World War II movies share the same cinematic universe because they're all based on the same event in history. So you Don't just say, like, true. oh, yeah. <laughs> <So> that <laughs> but, means that
0: the Red Skull is like analyzing the Tesseract at the same time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, the, okay. what the hell? That whole James Gunn DC comments, like, we're doing the whole. Just like watching him sort of like explain, like, finally we're going to do some of the DC universe and bring everything together, but do what is it called? Other worlds or else worlds or mm-hmm. that sort yes, of thing? And like him trying to like justify and. It's like my brain went to mush just in like the first two minutes of him, like describing <laughs> the torturousness that Canon like holds oh. on. I didn't uh, expect like us to start decisions. talking about
0: this, but just <laughs> I noticed he'd picked up some very Donald Trumpian ways of delivery. It was very strange.
1: Just as like... he's saying like a lot of people are talking about the bold and the brave. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, um, a few comments, you know. I've got a few notes in this film. um Like, I think we've already covered the plot. <laughs> but, like, question why were like half the German soldiers bilingual and they're like talking, they're just, they're talking German and English completely indiscriminately within the same scene? I mentioned at the start how our company of heroes, they uh, encounter, like, a test site where, where something's gone wrong. Apparently, like, the trigger of the bomb was faulty. And when, like, the main bad guy, I forget the baddie's name.
1: I think he's Beimler.
0: Well, he's introduced, we see his mechanical leg first, then his stick, then his gas mask, but he's holding a Geiger counter. And then he's like, "What's gone on here? There's not enough radiation. And then the other doc, the doctor... Doctor Doctor
1: Luca Grunewald,
0: Yeah,
1: he's a good thing.
0: Who designed the bomb? He says, Oh, there's something wrong with the trigger. They're all speaking German until that point. When the doctor is like, there, you make there's something wrong with the trigger, he just speaks in English. Like when you're angry, he speaks in English. Which is strange. And he's a stimmt. War das ein glatter Fehlschuss? Ihre Arbeit war so vielversprechend, das kommt dabei heraus. Der Explosionsradius müsste mehrere Quadratkilometer groß sein. Tut mir leid, Herr Kommandant. Ich nehme an, die Zündung hat nicht funktioniert. The trigger malfunctioned. Sorry is a weak word. There is no room for weakness. The Fuhrer expects success. The question is, can you fix the trigger? Then fix it. Let's end this war.
1: Because was at the start I was watching with subtitles and it was like yells German the whole time there was any yes. kind of like German like, soldiers very shouting. Very much
0: the most used subtitle, German soldier shouting. Though I did like, there was one point when two Germans say good morning," like good morgan to each other. And it says speaking German. I'm like, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got what they're saying.
1: <laughs> but I, yeah, I guess it's one of those things as a choice where maybe Warcraft did it as well, where it's like they're speaking in the language and then you know, they move into English and that's meant to be like, oh, you know, like the audience is being translated. But then that would have been fine if they continued speaking English the whole time. But then they did alternate and it was just like, wait, am I listening to this as if I am someone who understands German or am I listening to this because they are actually speaking English or, you know, I think it's like pick a language, guys. Yeah, it was
0: completely indiscriminate. I just, I just, Like, it was quite distracting, as was, like, loads of crash zooms during dialogue scenes. They were trying to do that faux handheld thing to make things seem more like cinema verite. But in reality, people just having a normal dialogue and then the camera, like, zoom right into the nose and now again, like, correcting itself and, like, just not done very well. And, like, for a film mostly set in Germany, there was a whole lot of Dutch angles. Like, everything was at an
1: angle for a lot of this film.
0: I'm just really pleased with that cinematography joke.
1: It's, it's very <laughs> hard to put up your tripod yes. on a battlefield.
0: Yeah, all the pockmarked grounds, like, oh, this tripod, there's, there's nothing we can do.
1: It does sort of pick up a, a little bit once they do, yeah, have some focus to the story. Once we know exactly where they're heading and why they have to rendezvous with this um, this contact, the OSS contact at um, this train yard. Which they're led to by this um, Russian former uh, POW by the name of Pizarski, and it's one of those things where they accidentally basically lead a bunch of German forces to the contact who uh, refuses to give up information, and then like the the main baddie just uh, kills their contact and their lead, so they have to get on board the train, which is where they meet. Vinnie Jones, who's a prisoner and takes them to Stuttgart. And And when they arrive, the um, Puzaski, the Russian says, um, we're in Stuttgart. And someone asks, how can you tell? And he says, trust me, there's no mistake in the stench. But um my my feelings for that was a little bit like in Garth Man, where it's just like, I've been to Stuttgart. It's quite nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I mean, it must be... You mentioned that contact who got killed mainly because our heroes lead the German army to them. It must be really dispiriting to die because of our people's stupidity. Like in Stuttgart, war, <laughs> it's war in Stuttgart, like our two American, two of our American heroes, Ransom and Nate, they're walking down the street dressed as, as German soldiers, but they're speaking loudly
1: in English.
0: And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like you,
1: shut up <laughs> i don't think they would make very convincing uh german soldiers i i did I, I did think because i saw the promotional images that vinnie jones was playing a nazi but that's just because they do wear like nazi uniform later on wow. um but yeah as as you mentioned it's a shame we don't get to hear him in a attempt a german accent or a russian one
0: it seems sad to say, but um, one of their, con, you know, there's no ladies in this film until, speaking ladies, until a contact Kestrel shows up at the German opera. And it's just, I was talking about the suffocating machismo earlier. It's, she's got, not got much to do, but it's just nice to hear like a lady speak in a film. <laughs> it doesn't quite pass the Bechdel test, but I was just it just it's a nice it's just a difference between like lots of gruff Americans, lots of gruff, gruff British, lots of gruff Russians, and then finally just a lady voice.
1: The way it's all constructed and you know, with the opera house and that sort of thing, it did just feel a little bit like someone was doing like an inglorious bastard speed run mm. or whatever, just like everything's like squished together. But yes, like, Nate meets this contact, Kestrel, at the opera house. Um, But I really enjoyed the performance of the ticket inspector at the opera house because he hands over the ticket to the opera and the guy just, like, does his acting and then stands so still as to not, like, do any more acting while he's still on screen, just in case he looks at the camera. Um,
0: (laughs) I did notice him do nothing, but I thought... I just thought he's being professional. <laughs> you shouldn't look at the camera when you're working at the opera. There shouldn't even be a camera. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so he, he meets up with Kestrel, who turns out to be the daughter of the uh, scientist who's charged with making the uh, nuclear bomb. And they go back to the OSS safe house. But... Following a tender first aid moment with Nate, we get her standing naked in a bath with the door ajar, looking back at Nate, Nate looking back at her, feeling a bit awkward, but also a little bit come hither, and nothing then happens, but it's just like, mm, something for the lads. (laughs) as if shooting a bunch of people was not enough for the lads to begin with
0: war isn't entirely hell but yeah it seems to serve no purpose other than to show a bit of side boob show a bit of bum um i don't know this all i can say she added some sort of texture to the cast which wasn't really there before like several this is meant to be like a small company of heroes, but in all these gunfights we're talking about, loads of like soldiers on both sides die, and I'm like, oh, is that a character we we care about? That American soldier? I I couldn't tell how many so you know, good guys there were.
1: Yeah, by the time they reach Stuttgart, it's like, oh wait, there's four of them now. <laughs> when they were on the train, there seemed to be a lot of them. And I know mm. they were going around shooting lots of people on the train, but it's like only four of them made it to Stuttgart. I mean, I guess them's the odds. But at the same time, I was like, mm. you know, like when we were working out how big's a band, it's like, is this really a company anymore?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, like at the end, there's um, like the the main guy, the main baddie of the, with the mechanical leg, I think he gets killed I mean, I don't want to get bogged down in all the twisted turns, but he gets shot in the head by the Russian soldier who momentarily seemed to have betrayed the Company of Heroes, having stolen some nuclear blueprints, but he comes back at the end dressed as a German soldier and saves the day for just five, min- five minutes. Um, but he gets shot in the head. And then there's a big action sequence. And then our Company of Heroes... It's really useful to call them the Company
1: of Heroes. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, the gang in Always Sunny and Exactly, the gang.
0: The the gang steals it's the gang steals Hitler's bomb. Um they're getting chased by a German officer on a mounted car, a, a car with a mounted machine gun, and there's like lots of drama about getting the American Air Force to like well no, the British Air Force to bomb this particular car, and it's done as a massive moment of
1: victory. And I just
0: couldn't remember if like whoever's in the car is if anyone significant.
1: I think it was maybe the second in command
0: yeah. of the main villain. It seems because they're
1: like... driving away because they've got the they've got the bomb, uh, and the scientist is trying to disable it mm. when before the bombers come in to blow stuff up. Because obviously, if they blew up the place the bomb was being developed, then it'd be an even bigger bomb. I don't know. Maybe that's not a problem, but they still have to disable the bomb anyway. Yeah, um, you
0: th- I, was there a timer? The, why did they have to disable the bomb? I, think I feel just like my brain is melting.
1: No one wants to drive around with a live nuclear bomb in the, in the back of the so. van.
0: <laughs> I guess so. I just, you know, it wasn't on a timer. And it just seemed like take to take a lot long, longer to disarm a bomb than you'd think. You'd think you would just cut some wires. and <laughs> I don't know. Maybe don't send it. It's me a, a bit list, difficult
1: but. when you're in a moving vehicle. I guess so,
0: but I will say, you know, I did find the end a bit exciting. I mean, I'll say a lot of the action, although as I say, there seems to be an over reliance on CGI explosions, CGI squibs, CGI gunfire. There's still some excitement. It's, it's, it's. You know, it's still a bit exciting. Is it? It's like. It's like a daytime Channel for black-and-white war movie, except it's just ultra-violent. <laughs> <laughs> it's on, like, the dark universe version of Channel 4 afternoon movies. So, yeah, it's, it's just... It's not so bad, but, you know... I saw someone describe this film <laughs> on Letterboxd as if a 12-year-old wrote World War II? And I kind of harshly agree with that sentiment.
1: Yeah, I th- I think the kind of... The approach to the subject matter is pretty much just like, yeah, but what if they had, like, infinite ammo mode.
0: (laughs) I I (laughs) guess, actually, it it reminds me, with all these after effects that I mentioned, it does just look like loads of YouTube video scenes when a lot of mates get their, like, BB guns and they just run around a car park pretending to do, like, John Woo action sequences. So it's, like, it's not more advanced than that. It's just somebody had access to a lot of military hardware in wherever this was filmed.
1: I never thought I'd see the day when a bunch of yanks fell out of the sky to save my ass, but I'll take it, fellas. Will it be? (laughs) British Air Force. Hey.
0: Right. So what are we doing?
1: Uh, what do you mean, what we're doing? We're gonna get, if we're gonna get out of it. we're gonna kick some Nazi ass and we're gonna have a few beers in England on me, fellas. It's great, it's great, okay. <laughs> Look, Matheson left you in charge. Okay, young man? Are you telling me this young fella's in charge of this operation now? I mean, I've got underwear older than them. That's great, but could you uh, back off? Now look, we're pissing distance from the French
0: border. Now, we got to give these prisoners a chance. You freeze these prisoners. This train won't make it to Stuttgart. Are you fellas serious? I mean, what are you doing here? I know you're chin kid, but you got to pull it together. We're the boots on the ground, okay? We lose good men every day, but we just keep marching until they
1: tell us to stop. Now you make a decision right now, and you stick to it. What are we doing, Sergeant? You're the only one I trust to get the job done. Make sure they do the right thing. I'll find my way home. I'm sorry, no. What you're telling me, you're not here to get us out of it. Our mission's in Stuttgart. That's where we're going. Okay. You're. So the the film culminates um, once the bomb's been defused. Our hero, um, Chad Michael Collins, Nate, um, he's in hospital. He's laying up, recovering, and Neil McDonough Conti reappears, reads him a letter from his division commander saying, "Today we are truly in the company of heroes." which is using company of heroes in a slightly different way Mm. um he said the title of the movie um but then he has to say nothing you did ever happened there'll be no medals no commendations tell no one so that sort of explains a little bit like it's inspired by true events but also did this ever happen and well, it's a neat way of kind of just like tying it up by just saying everything you just saw could have happened, but if it did happen, it's confidential. I think that's just bullshit
0: because, <laughs> like, he says that to Nate's face. He just says, Nate, you're a company of heroes. You're amazingly brave. You've changed the course of history. Um, but no one can ever know. And yes, you and I know it's so that we could pretend this might have happened. But in the universe of the film, Nate would be like, why can't anyone know we, we did this? There's literally no reason. I mean, you can guess, I could. I guess you could hand wave it and say maybe they didn't want to cause a panic that to show how close Hitler got to making a nuclear bomb but
1: but i think also at the same time it's like if you told anyone that that would prove the existence of nuclear bomb technology now in possession of both the americans and the russians
0: yeah i guess so So
1: keep it to yourself darling
0: (laughs) this was filmed in sofia bulgaria so okay not america do we have anything more to say? I mean, we actually shouldn't be talking about this film apparently because it's all—it's all very hush hush. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's um, amazing you got a DVD and Blu-ray release. I know. Um, yeah, it sort of ends like, despite the fact that he must not tell anyone, he also is allowed to maybe. I don't know, make the daughter of this nuclear scientist his girlfriend because mm. <laughs> the two girls back home turns out to be, ha ha, it's his mother and his sister, ha ha. My, my first case, um,
0: yeah, talking about his girls back home and and people are like, take that to uh, fancying them and I kind of, when he reveals to, I think, Ransom that it's his mum and his sister, I wanted Ransom to be like gross! <laughs> like a threesome for your sister and your mum? Ew! That's not what I meant at all.
1: So yeah, he's going to start uh, his own uh,
0: nuclear testing facility with blackjack and hookers.
1: <laughs> As we said, it ends with him like checking out his dad's grave because apparently Conti served with him in uh, World War One and he was a hell of a man. And your father would be very proud of you. And it's like this kind of like. Was this the validation he was seeking throughout the film? The way it plays it up is like this was more prominent, but it's not really given a lot of thought elsewhere in the movie.
0: He says, I'm gonna I'm gonna look after my sister and give my mum one for you.
1: Credits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um you mentioned World War One. I. I forgot. Ransom at one point set talks about I think he's in the middle of a gunfight and he says, We're going to start World War III out there. And I thought, did people like talk about World War III like during World War II? Like, would that make it World War 2.5?
1: Yeah. Can you start another world war within an existing world war?
0: I think we've established that Tom Sizemore is a time traveler in this film. Ransom, he's from the 25th century. (laughs) And, um, he's playing he's world but... war
1: ii he's... new game plus
0: yeah he's butterflying effect all over this nonsense <laughs> and uh yeah when he leaves his like 25th century um body there i don't know i sh- he he falls through time and this turns out to be a star wars movie all along
1: <laughs>
0: yeah uh, i don't know
1: where i'm going with that <laughs> But it yes, was he, a he seems s- to most stealth reboot of Quantum Leap.
0: <laughs> yes, he just his last line is, Oh boy. And then, um, he Dr. Science, what's his name? I'm named Dr. I'm Science. <laughs> Dr. Science. No, what's the name of the Quantum Leap? But who does Scott Bakula play? Mm. Oh dear, we're forgetting one of the most iconic ends to uh TV shows is it? ever. which is a big spoiler so maybe sam beckett that's the one i won't anyway who cares about quantum leap we've we've said a bit about company of heroes i don't know why it exists i don't know why it's not just a war movie but uh you know by the it's given us
1: an excuse to talk about world war ii on our podcast Yes, which is what we yeah,
0: we, be, are we, be, we know our, our audience have so being like, when are you going to talk about World War Two, your position on Nazism, uh, and Christmas hams? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all those all those bases have now been covered.
1: We're we're for it and we're against it, but you have to decide which.
0: <laughs> Actually, I did notice how editorial much note:
1: I am for Christmas
0: hams, <laughs> for Christmas hams. Our Avengers going to get the vegans after you now. It's like. Uh, I noticed there was a lot of spitting in this film, like several points. Like the, whenever you're being captured by a baddie and he asks you a question, you have to spit in their face. And I'm like, in that situation, I'll be so dry-mouthed. You know, if I try to <laughs> spit, I'll be like... <laughs> <laughs> when I open my mouth.
1: <laughs> that was a very strange noise. <laughs> that was
0: my mouth opening to spit. Um. <laughs>
1: I sound like a velociraptor.
0: Oh. See, I mean, again, I know this was based on actual events recently declassified, <laughs> but like I did, just because of the movies we do, I was expecting na- uh, Nazi zombies, I was expecting maybe dinosaurs. It seemed really weird, like you know, you've got the technology sort of. Why not do a CGI dinosaur? <laughs> Saving Private Ryan meets Jurassic Park fuck the fablemans spielberg it's right there uh
1: well you know there is uh what is it 65 with adam driver (gasps) coming out
0: i had no idea what that film was about until halfway through that trailer and like i was like on the internet trying to pre-order my tickets right away anyway (laughs) we've started i think we're starting to wishy-wash Final thoughts, final opinions. Anything at all to say about Company of Heroes, Rory?
1: Um, just to reiterate, I think it's fine. I think it does its job. It completes its mission, but with not a huge amount of honours or commendation. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just it it gets from A to B um, Can you with do minimum quiet casualties in a war. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's called going AWOL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we should just rename quiet quitting going a wall mm-hmm. you know that's that's how you kind of like check out of your job nowadays um so yeah i i think like com- thinking about maybe other war related movies like I, I can only think of wing commander that we've done necessarily and this was a lot more interesting than anything warcraft that wing I,
0: warcraft yeah. in the title
1: but that's that's more like axes and, yeah. and It's not clubs. about
0: crafting like, you know, felt and needles and sticky back plastic and things. Cross stitching.
1: Um <laughs> so yeah, I, I think uh as far as these things go, it was mostly inoffensive and sometimes entertaining. But um <laughs> On the back I, of the I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it's gonna challenge Anyone's um, top one hundred films of all time list. <laughs> it's not going to be not going if it, if it About appears your on two hundred, top one thousand on, films.
0: Just in there, I guarantee
1: I guarantee, and I'll stake my life against it that this will never trouble the Sight and Sound two hundred and fifty greatest films of all time list.
0: We just need to get on that list. We're, we're film reviewers, as we established.
1: Yeah, but our submissions were just spoiler ballots by just putting Mortal Kombat five times.
0: There's been five Mortal Kombat movies, if you count those animated ones. So, anyway, stay tuned for our ranking the Mortal Kombat films episodes with a surprise <laughs> number one. Um, <laughs> what's going to be our next uh, episode all about, though?
1: Well, our next episode, we will be covering the last of us by the time the next episode comes out all episodes i believe will have been broadcast and hopefully watched by us so it'll be a chance for us to finally delve into the show that has been called good by lots of different (laughs) media outlets (laughs)
0: yeah my um my fire my my fire stick can't help but show me like all the rave reviews of the last of us whenever i turn on my now tv it says good <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so i know i'm t- watching it
0: yeah with 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 five stars out of what out of 10 out of 100 who knows we'll find out next time uh, but in the meantime how could people keep in touch with gains on film
1: You can find more information about the podcast and video game movies like Company of Heroes on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on social media, especially Facebook and especially Twitter and quite often share a lot of details about upcoming video game movies and adaptations. So please do follow us there for all the latest juicy goss, as well as updates about the show. You can contact us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com and... On social media, we're at Games on Film Pod, I should say, and I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele.
0: I'm at Only Man Who Can,
1: and all episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcast—be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe, and please do tell all your friends, tell all your family, and let them know that Games on Film is a podcast that exists. <laughs> and the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot.
0: Well, in the previous episode, I mentioned that the Mario Mario movies was our dessert. We've had our Christmas hams <laughs> for this episode. And next week, I guess it's vegetables with the mushroom people. We'll see. We're having a weird reverse dinner of video game content for the start of 2023 i
1: couldn't be happier though (laughs) until next time i've been harry more tortured analogies join (laughs) us next time yes i've been harry i've been rory take care bye 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 then